It is good to be here. Today we want to focus our attention on Jesus and true growth. Jesus and true growth. So if you have your Bibles, we'll be in Mark, in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4. We'll look in verses 26 through 29 today. Um, Mark, after today, there is one more parable that the Gospel of Mark deals with, and we will focus on that next week. But today we'll be in in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4, verses 26 through 29. I want to thank um, Brother Marcus for... For children's church this morning, I just thank God that He placed it upon His heart, and He was obedient. And uh, we, uh, what a what a wonderful opportunity to, for our kids, and for us, uh, and for us. George Hunter the Third. He has a a shrewd mind after God's heart. He's identified several areas of growth that must occur in a working church. When we talk about a working church, we're speaking of a New Testament church. He shares these are things that you can look for in a church. Internal growth. This is the kind of growth that takes place in the lives of people who are already coming to church. When the members of a congregation are growing closer to God and to each other, internal growth takes place. He speaks of external growth. This is the kind of growth that takes place when, a, when new people start showing up for church. And there are three kinds of external growth. Biological growth, which is people in the church have babies. And I'm glad that that has taken place here recently. I hope it continues to take place here recently. Say amen, somebody. (laughs) And we want to see, I know it's a terrible world for children to grow up in, but we we want them to come into this world so we can teach them to know Jesus. Transfer growth is another area of external growth. That's receiving, not recruiting, but receiving people (laughs) from other churches. Then there is conversion, which is reaching out to the lost and bringing them into God's family. So he speaks here of internal and external growth. He also speaks of extension growth. This kind of growth takes place when members of a local congregation reach into their community. It's it's been observed that Jesus didn't tell the world to go to church. He told the church to go to the world. And then there is bridging growth that he speaks of. This kind of growth occurs when churches deploy people as missionaries to reach lost people of other cultures. Usually these cultures are geographically distant from the local church. But sometimes it can be the person right next door to where we live. Now, Robinson County at one time comprised of three races, three nationalities, three peoples. But it's not the case anymore. 
Back in the 70s, you could count on three races of people in Robson County. And actually, for the most part, not the entirety, but for the most part, you, could, you would know exactly where they were located. There was a time, some of you remember, when our schools were separated by race. It's not that time anymore. And people of different nationalities, different backgrounds are moving in right next door to us. And if we're going to live by the scriptures, we will not shun them. (laughs) We'll get to know them and we'll share Jesus with them. So the real questions that we have today is, are we growing? Huh. Well, let me ask you this. Are you growing? Because if you're growing, then we will be growing. But if you're determined not to grow, then how can we grow? Well, we'll answer that today. In this text, the Bible tells us this. In Mark's gospel, chapter 4, verse 26, he said, And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how for the earth yields crops by itself. First the blade, then the head. After that, the full grain in the head. But when the grain ripens, immediately he puts on the sickle because the harvest has come. This is God's holy word. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. Help us to understand today that true growth comes from you. Help us, God, to understand your word in a way, God, that it opens our hearts and our minds and helps us to be more about your business in the way that you would have us to. And God, in everything, we'll praise you. We'll give you glory and honor. And God, if there is one today who doesn't know you through your son, Jesus Christ, help us, God, to minister to them. God, we we ask that you would allow your Holy Spirit to sit down with them in the midst of this message and speak to them. Help them, God, to respond in faith. And we'll praise you for all that's accomplished. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Again... We're here at this point where Jesus shares another parable with with the disciples. This parable takes us back to the first parable where Mark records the parable of the sower. Today's parable describes the process of seed growing. From a closer look into this parable, we find that the seed represents the gospel. The ground represents either the believer, depending on how we apply it to our lives, or the church, depending on how we apply it to the church. We can apply this parable individually, and I would recommend that we do, or we can apply it corporately, and I recommend that we do. We should notice here that in Mark's gospel, this is the first time that the parables represent or reference the kingdom of God. In, In verse 26, Jesus says, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. Now, in this parable, Jesus is not describing the kingdom of God in its entirety. Instead, he points out one aspect 
of the kingdom of God. And that aspect is that the kingdom of God does and it will grow. We've got to remember that. If you don't remember nothing else I've said, if you're going to tune out, remember that. That the kingdom of God does and it will grow. What I'm saying is you can't stop it. I can't stop it. It's going to grow. Contrary to popular opinion, the kingdom of God is growing right now. We may not see it here in Robinson County. We may not see it in North Carolina. We may not see it in America. But more and more, people are surrendering their lives to the gospel. And as a result of this, they are growing as God desires for them to grow. Around the world, there is such a growth in God's kingdom taking place that the U.S. is becoming a mission field for other nations. Why is this happen? Why is this happening? Well, I can't specifically say, but there seem to be two apparent reasons. One could be that more and more people are coming into this country from other nations, and because of that, more people who have been won to the gospel in other nations are coming to this nation to win their people to the gospel. I've told us over 18 years, I've told us, no one's going to cry over your family the way you will cry over your family. You can call the preacher, I don't care who it is. He's not crying over your baby the way you will cry over your baby. You can call your mama, your, your mama, your mama won't cry over your baby the way you cry over your baby. And here it seems People are coming here because more of their people are coming here so they can share the gospel with them. Another reason could be, could be that America is just growing so rebellious and so cold toward Jesus and his gospel and to each other that God is bringing men and women who've radically been transformed by the gospel, not only to share the gospel, but to de demonstrate how the gospel is to be lived out in this world. It seems like America has forgotten how to live for Christ. It seems like we've grown cold to Christ and his principles. It seems like we don't care I mean, you, all you got to do is just watch the news. I hate the news, don't you? Some people, my mom and, my mom and her husband, their TV stays 98% of the time on Fox News. And I, I hate it. <laughs> I, 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 I don't watch the news at home. Iola gets up every morning and she, she wants to watch the news and we're in different rooms every morning drinking coffee. Because I hate the news. I turn it to George Lopez or I'll, I'll turn it to some sitcom and, and I'll watch that or I'll just leave it off and just stay in my Bible. Because I hate what the news is doing. They're doing their best to scare us. You know, they're not just trying to terrify us in our own homes. They're trying to terrify us from trusting Jesus as our Savior. And I, I just hate it. I, I, I truly do. I don't see the benefit of it for me. 
Now, I'm not telling you to hate it. I'm not telling you not to watch it. If you want to be informed, you watch it. I'd rather read it than watch it. Well, yeah, you can be misinformed a lot too. You know, Jesus tells us in Luke 19 and 40, I tell you these, that, that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. What I'm saying to us is this. If we're going to be rebellious and reject Jesus, that ain't stopping heaven from growing. (laughs) If we decide, if America decides we want nothing to do with Jesus, that's okay. He's raising up a generation. He's raising up a people who will follow him and heaven will continue to grow. We can keep silent all we want. We can refuse to to be about our father's business of sharing the gospel. We can sit down and think we're too dignified to worship and praise our Lord Jesus Christ. But but we can also rest assured he will be worshipped. He will be praised. Glory will be given to his name. Isaiah 55 and 11 says, So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please. And it shall prosper in the thing which I sin in. Truth is, we can cross our arms. We can put a frown on our faces and say, Move me if you think you can. We can reject Christ all we want. We can rebel against the principles of God's word. But you nor I can stop the kingdom of God from growing. So in other words, we probably need to just get over ourselves, hadn't we? We're not that important. God loves us and he loves us unconditionally. But he he loves us so much he sent his only begotten son into this cruel world to die on an old rugged cross for our sins. But make no mistake, he doesn't need any of us. We all need him. And this text shows us that God doesn't need us for his kingdom to grow. It shows us that our best bet is just to get along and go along with his program. (laughs) That's what this text shows us. When we look here at the text, we'll find the reality of man's limitations. We often think so much of ourselves, but we are extremely limited (laughs) when it comes to growing God's kingdom Jesus says the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground the seed must be sown by man God's designed it that way and the the only reason seed must be sown by man is God's designed it that way Man is the person, he's the means, he's the instrument God's chosen to share the gospel in this world. So it's the ground, the earth where the seed is sown. It's the earth where God wants, that God wants to reach. The earth that God wants to hear his good news. God has sent his followers out into the earth to, to cast out the seed of the gospel. Later in Mark's gospel, in chapter 16 and verse 15, Jesus t- tells his disciples, Go into the, all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So why would Jesus tell them this? Jesus knew that soon they would all have the power within them to declare the gospel of Jesus Christ boldly. Because Acts 1 and 8 says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be witnesses of me in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and 
the rest of the earth. But then Jesus says this. After he's told us that man is going to sow seed, he also says man should sleep by night and raise by day, and the seed should sprout and grow, and he himself does not know how. He himself, the man, has no idea how it's happening. In other words, he don't need you and me for it to grow. (laughs) What Jesus is saying is that man is so limited that all he can do is spread seed. You, You know what? It doesn't matter how old you are. If you can walk and sling your arm, you can sow seed. So we can't think of ourselves as better at what God's called us to do than others. Because anybody can do it. A three-year-old can do exactly what I'm 53, what I can do for the Lord. Sow seed. And once they come to understand the gospel, a child, a child can share the gospel. You know, Jesus loved me so much, he saved me. And I'm no longer bound by my sin. But when I die, I'm going to heaven. A child can share that. So we can't think too highly of ourselves. It's while man is going about his daily routines that the seed is actually sprouting. It's while man is asleep that the seed is actually germinating and things are taking place to where things begin to sprout up. You know what we've always said, you know, man, the ways of a woman will never be known. You know why? Man was asleep when woman was created. Argue that with me. We'll go to Genesis and I'll show you. God performed surgery. He put him to sleep. That anesthesia was good. Here, Jesus is saying when you're asleep, things are taking place that's out of your control. When man's asleep, things are taking place. You don't even know how it's being done. You can get all the instructions you want from a biology major, but they can't tell you how to do it. They can't do it themselves. Why? Because it's God's work. The seed grows on its own according to what Scripture indicates here. It's growing on its own, not by the power of man. Jesus goes as far as to say that man doesn't even know how the growth of the seed takes place. In his book, Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire... Jim Sambala, pastor of Brooklyn Tabernacle Church in Brooklyn, New York. He shares that when he first went to Brooklyn Tabernacle, the church was at an all-time low. Well, if you haven't read this book, you need to read it. It'll change your prayer life. If it doesn't change your prayer life, you're just cold to God. This is a book every born-again believer needs to read. Uh, Fresh wind, fresh fire. As a matter of fact, I got a copy at the house. If somebody wants it, I'll bring it to you. I just want it back because I'll read it more than just once. It is a wonderful book. Oh, I didn't read this book because I'm in seminary either. I read this book years ago. It'll change your prayer life. 
When he went there, when Jim Sambala and his wife went to Brooklyn Tabernacle, they had fewer than 20 members. He took in about $85 that week. And they had a monthly mortgage of around $232. Pastor Jim, per month, Pastor Jim, he committed to working with this church. And since then, the church has grown to be a large church that, that's known nation, nationwide. It's known all across the world. Well, preacher, I don't know about that church. Yeah, I can't help the rock you're living under. It's a huge church that has a huge ministry. <laughs> and we should know about these ministries. Uh, this church, it is now, it's such a large church. It has a powerful worship ministry. Their choir is one of the largest in the world. And it is, it is by far one of the most known uh, across, um, not Baptist life, but evangelical life. They have a powerful discipleship ministry, a powerful evangelism ministry, a powerful missions ministry, and a powerful fellowship ministry. Here in the heart, in the streets, right there in Brooklyn, this church has grown to be something that no one thought it could ever grow to be. The church has grown not because the pastor had theological training. The church has grown not because the church boasts of the right ministries. The church has not grown at the hands of the people or its leaders. Instead, the church has grown due to God's spirit invading the hearts of their members. The church grew entirely by the grace and the mercy of God. And the only thing people did was fall in love with God. And they began to seek him. And God just poured out growth upon this church. Folks, growth is not of man. When speaking of the kingdom of God, when speaking of growth and believers, we can rest assured that in growth, man has nothing to do with it. It's all God's doing. All man is asked, all God's asked man to do is fall in love with him and to seek him. You can make yourself, you can't make yourself grow in the Lord any more than you can make yourself grow three inches taller. Oh, if I could do that, don't you know I'd have been three inches taller? It's not, I can grow three inches wider, but not taller. <laughs> the Lord, through his power and through his Holy Spirit, he has to do the work in us. That's the reality of our limitations. But there's a reality to God's limitless power. If we look there in verse 28, we notice that because of God's power, growth is certain. The verse says, for the earth yields crops by itself. This gives the idea that when the seed is planted, growth is automatic. <laughs> now, for growth to be automatic, the seed must be sown in good ground. And if seed is sown in good ground, growth is unstoppable. Prior to repaving our parking lot, it was very evident <laughs> that it's good ground underneath the asphalt. It was extremely evident that that's good ground. We're in farmland. This is good ground around God's country in Fairmont. How do I know it was good ground under the asphalt? Because grass was growing through the asphalt. 
As a matter of fact, if you go look at the new asphalt, you can find small areas where grass has grown through. And we're trying to kill it. (laughs) You know what the truth is? We can try and kill it all we want. If God wants it to grow there, it's going to continue to grow there. (laughs) We can stop it for a short time, but we can't put an end to it. I want, to, I want us all to rest assured that for the genuine believer, those whose names have been recorded in the Lamb's book of life, God will complete the work that he has started in us. Philippians 1 and 6 says, Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Man, that ought to excite us all. That no matter what the devil does in our lives, no matter what others come against us or how they come against us, whatever God's plan is for you, he's going to accomplish it. And there ain't enough devils in hell that can stop it. Isn't that exciting to know? Man, man, when I was in college, this ain't my notes, I'll give it to you for free today. When I was in college, I had a professor, I was in a, I was in the education department and, and this is, we don't have professors like this anymore, nowhere, because this was back in the, yeah, in the late 80s and early 90s. I, I was in an education class and I was asked a question. I'd been coaching Little League and Babe Ruth and, and I just loved coaching ball. I, I loved being around baseball. And the professor, for some reason, I don't know, he was a, a former superintendent from Hope County. Some of you may know him. I don't remember his name. That's how important he was to me at the moment. But he said to me, or he asked me in front of the whole class, why do you want to get an education? I said, I want to coach. You know what? Coaches change kids' lives. They impact the kid's life as much as a math teacher can impact the kid's life. And that was my response. I want to coach. He looked at me in front of everybody and said, you got no business in education. And my response was, if I've got to sit under professors like you, I won't be in education. And that was the last education class I took. He stopped me from going into education along with middle school kids who I drove a school bus for. (laughs) The combination just prevented me from going into education. But there ain't enough devils, Brother Don, to stop me from sharing God's word. (laughs) There's not enough of fear in this world (laughs) to stop me from sharing God's word. Listen, if you're here and you know Jesus is your savior, there shouldn't be anything that can bring enough fear on you that you would not share God's word with you, with anyone. And we can't be afraid to share it because he's going to do it. He's going to do it. He's going to work it through us. Paul is telling us here that in, in Philippians that nothing can stop God from finishing what he starts. My confidence is not in myself. I, I've learned that. I have no confidence in myself. I grew up a kid who was, self, who was insecure, self-conscious, and, and always put myself down. But what I do know now is I can place confidence in God and his promises and know that no matter how I feel about myself, God has got this, and he's going to bring me through it. 
my confidence in the provisions of God has, that he has given me through his son, Jesus Christ, is more than anything I could ever attain on my own. But not only does he tell us in here that growth is certain, he tells us here that it's for the continual believer or the genuine believer, it's continual. Growth for the genuine believer is continual. It's certain nothing can stop it, and it's also continual. Growth doesn't stop with the blades of grass, but it continues. Mark says here that then the head, after that, the full grain in the head comes, after the blade. So the seed is sown, and then day after day, night after night passes before the blade ever springs up. And many more days and nights pass before the ear forms. And then many more days and nights pass before the, the whole ear of the corn comes up. And growth is, it's constant. It continues. It doesn't all happen over one night. No more than a child Becoming grown happens over one night. In six months, that baby is not grown. At six years old, the baby is not grown. And contrary to popular opinion, at 16, the baby is not grown. (laughs) If growth is of God... And it is. Then what it's telling us is that we must trust him. This means we have to be patient. We must trust that God is working all things out for his glory and for our good. Folks, God knows better than we, he knows us better than we know ourselves. He sees farther than we can see. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His plans for us involve peace, not evil. His plans are to give us a future and a hope. His plans will come to fruition. So we must trust in his unlimited power. The Bible teaches us that we will reap what we sow. Mark records Jesus saying it this way, but when the grain ripens, immediately he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. As they're preparing a song of invitation, sowing does bear fruit. Often we think, that what we're doing doesn't make a difference. But be- that's because we're often focusing on what we're doing rather than focusing on what God is going to do. He promises us a harvest after sowing. His pro- he, he's promising us results before we ever labor. <laughs> Boy, that ought to excite you right there. Before we go out and do what he's called us to do, he's already promised that he's going to bless it, that there's going to reap fruit from it. We will reap what we sow. We sow God's word. We may not get the, we may not reap what we want, but there'll be something to reap from it. Jesus has never told us to be successful. He's told us to be faithful. 
And if we'll be faithful, he'll measure the success. We don't know how to measure success. Proverbs 11 and 18 says, The wicked man does deceptive work, but he who sows righteousness will have a sure reward. So the question becomes now to you, to me, has the seed fallen upon good ground? Have you truly received the gospel of Jesus Christ? Maybe we all need to do a serious inventory of our lives and ask, am I truly growing in the grace of God? Or am I the same person I've always been? Maybe we need to ask, do I truly desire for Jesus to be Lord of my life? Or would I rather be who I am and do the things that I prefer to do? Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here today and you believe without a shadow of a doubt that you have been saved, but you're concerned with your growth, or you're concerned with the lack of growth in your life, this altar is open. Right where you're at, you can feel free to to just talk to the Lord. I would encourage you to seek him to help you trust him. And if you're here today and you're not certain that heaven will be your eternal home, whether if you were to die in this moment, if you were to die before you get to your place of dwelling today, if you're not sure that heaven would be your home, I encourage you, soften the soil of your heart. And receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If you believe that Jesus is God's only begotten Son. And that he left heaven and came to earth. Born of a virgin. If you believe that he lived a sinless life. And he died as the sacrifice for the sin of the world. If you believe that he rose from the dead. Conquering death, hell, and the grave. Today, if you're willing to surrender your life to Jesus. And receive him as your Lord and Savior then you will be saved. The question is, as they sing this song, are you ready?